Welcome back to the Sports Couch Podcast. It is now episode nine with your host, Chris. Matt. Nick. <laughs> another week, another six questions for you today on this rainy Sunday afternoon. Um, the standings are so far Nick with four wins, Chris with three wins, and Matt with one win, and he may never win again for all we know. Not true. Uh, any Anything to say there? How's there? How are you guys doing today? Good. I'm on the board, so I have a win, you know. A win's a win. I'm on the board. I'm not winless, so there's still a chance. <laughs> Nick, everything good today, man? I just want to check in. Pretty good. Pretty good, yeah. All right. So the so I'm going to get into um, this week's topics. The, the six questions for this week are going to be, number one, what team do you think should trade up in the NFL draft and why? Um, what is the best sports rivalry of all time? Um, who is the best defensive player in the NBA? Uh, and who – who are your favorite non-quarterback prospects heading into the 2021 NFL draft and why? And is the NFL NFL's new replay rule allowing replay officials to provide objective off-the-field views good for the league? And what National League team has the best chance to dethrone the Dodgers this season? So, so since I won last week, I get to decide what goes on first. And today I'm going to put Nick and Matt, the brothers on the couch against each other to start the show. And I'm going to put, and I'm going to do the, is the, the new NFL replay rule allowing replay officials to provide better objective off or off the field views good for the league. And um, Matt, you go first. So just give me a second. I will get your 60 seconds rolling. And okay, Matt. All right. Yeah. I mean, I, I personally think it's phenomenal for the league. Um, and for anybody who doesn't uh, know, um, the NFL didn't, you know, apply or adopt a full sky judge, you know, but they did a bit of a compromise. And now officials in charge of re- replay, which they're in a booth in the in the stadium, can assist on the on the following, you know, new rule applications, possession of the ball, uh, complete or incomplete pass, touching of a loose ball, boundary line, goal line or end line, spot of the ball. And if a player is uh, down by uh, contact, um, now you know officials can they'll, they'll not be able to throw flags or reverse calls of their own, but they're going to be able to give advice to the on-field officials, which we all know probably has been happening before off the books and in a non-formal way. But I think I love an MLB uh, when you challenge there is a replay center. And the umps on the field don't make the final call. They listen in and an objective view from off the field makes that final call. I think that the NFL, I want to see a game where it's so, the, so Matt, the highest percentage so Matt, of wrapping up, calls are wrapping happening. Wrapping up your minute here. Wrapping up your minute here. So Can I just get like 10 more seconds? Yeah, 10 more seconds because I listed for the viewers that what the rule was. So if they didn't know, just give okay, me 10 more seconds. Okay, okay. I just want, I, I think that it's great for the league because I want to watch games with correct calls. And I think we're heading towards a place where the accuracy is going to be heightened uh, from this change. So I think it's great for the league. Okay. Yeah. 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 I, I agree. I think it'll, it's, it'll be a little better to have some extra views on the replay because it's hard to see a lot of stuff on the field from the official standpoint, because they, they're not seeing everything and stuff's moving so fast in front of them. It's pretty hard. So, so Nick, um, if you're, if you want to get something prepared here to, um, what is your stance on this particular topic? With the, do you think the replay, like the rule change, is good for the league, or what do you think here? 
your minutes starts now. Yeah, you know, I think overall, I mean, they didn't fully adopt a sky judge per se, someone that's going to be monitoring from above, um, but they are now able to do a little bit. I'm sure they did this to an extent before, but now I'm imagining there's going to be a lot of, you know, stop time uh, in, in the games. It's going to lead to more commercials, longer games. I mean, the average game now is already three hours, right, over that. I mean, uh, I don't know. I, I think that it's it's good for the league in terms of getting the calls right. Um, and, and, you know, we, ha- we had some situations like we saw with the Saints a couple years ago, probably uh, should have gone to the NFC or to the Super Bowl, um, but they got didn't get that pass interference call, which was a pass interference. So no circumstances for sure. I think that, um, you know, that's a benefit. Um, but uh, I just think that it's going to create a little bit more lengthy games and I don't really see the the benefit there. Okay. So, so you're against this rule change because you think that the time of the game is going to go up significantly. Um, yep. Okay. So Matt, maybe mm-hmm. for this little rebuttal here, yep. my thought is he does have a good point. I, I didn't even think about the, um, the fact that it, it might make the game longer, but I feel like here- maybe, it's it's worth, but how much longer can it possibly make? You know what I mean? Like, I'm but not here's sure the thing. Here's what you got to remember: that much longer. Yeah. So I so just feel you, like it's gonna be. Yeah. No, here's what you got to remember. So Matt, for your rebuttal here. Yeah, I first of all, just for clarification, the pass interference call is not going to be on the list of things that that uh, oh, plays okay. that these guys can uh, give advice on. But I completely disagree, Nick. I think you know it's actually going to shorten things. Why? Because coaches will not have to throw a challenge flag to prompt that advice you know, which some replay officials have been giving referees informally over the years anyway. So I think that this will actually make it shorter because coaches are not going to have to challenge as much because the integrity of getting the call right is going to be done with that advice that they may have already been getting, but might even be able to be getting more at a higher rate now. I think there will be less challenges okay. because the officials are going to take care of it. So I think it will speed up the game. Okay. I don't I, know. I, because I, I do agree because I, I like that side of it because maybe they could get some of the calls right because it seems like a lot of the time the coaches might have to use their challenges early on Ex- in the game. exactly and yeah. then even if they get them right they still run out of challenges eventually that doesn't mean there's going to be no more bad calls for the whole game and like, challenges let's say you take up, up the most all time. Your challenges in the first half but let's say you win all because even if you like you get it you get a third challenge if you win your second challenge but if you win your third challenge, you're done. What if there's a fourth bad play that you have to challenge? It's still that's what's of, good about this rules that they can without I don't think being prompted don't by think a challenge to teams because the because the official makes the wrong call. So Nick, maybe in your rebuttal here, do you have anything else to to sum up the like the other side of this with maybe how it's bad for the game? Yeah, I mean, just to uh, extend my same point, uh, I I do think it's going to make it quite lengthy. I mean. Every fourth down and one where Brady's, do, you know, Brady's going, uh, you know, QB sneak, we're going to have a, you know, five minute break every fourth and one because we got to make sure you got it. Most of the time, I would say the, the, the you know, the, the refs get the call right, I think. And I just think that, you know, it's so annoying. Uh, like when you look in, in, in basketball, how often they have to check, oh, is it a flagrant? And it slows down the tempo of the game. That would be the same for the NFL now. You know, it's already slow enough. It's, okay. you know, every play is five okay. seconds, then you have to walk back, and it's another two minutes between each play. It's just going to create a longer game. And I disagree. I, I, 
I get it. I get it. But back to the other, like, because my thing is, I'm trying to figure out, like, how much time do you think it would even add to the game? Like, because they're already doing so much. Well, here's here's like with the commercial breaks and everything. But I feel like it would kind of just maybe they'd be able to, because there's already a specific amount of commercials they have to have anyway. So maybe that time frame will just be spread out a little more. You'll see. I think it's gonna bring down challenges, guys. I think it's gonna bring down challenges. Yeah, but how often? How how often does a team use two challenges? You know what I mean? Like refs get the calls right. I understand that, but we already have the two within two minutes. Because, so because my, thought was, my thought is, what if they just had somebody like watching the game on TV? Like, you know what I mean? Like, in in the spot, they're watching it. They they see all the angles, and maybe the refs got like a earpiece where somebody could be like, "Hey, maybe he didn't catch." Well, it. that's no, that's essentially that what this rule is. They're going to be able to give them informal, but now formal advice from what they're seeing from a TV broadcast, their own cameras, and from the skybox. Like, they're essentially in yeah. the stadium, so they are going to be. Essentially, okay. Chris, you and I both know, and Nick, you know, that they were probably saying upstairs, hey, you see anything? They were giving them advice for years, and someone caught on that, you know what, we should make this official. So I think that it's been happening, but now it might even happen at a higher rate, and they'll feel like they'll be able to weigh in. Because maybe might sometimes be, there were some refs that were like, we got it, we got it, like, we don't want your advice. And other yeah. refs that were like, actually, can we get some advice? So I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I hear what you're saying, Nick, about, but I actually think we'll see less challenges with this because they're going to be more apt to try and get the right call. It's going to be the fourth quarter. Everyone's going to be standing around for like 10 minutes. It's going to be like it's how 30 degrees. Anyway, yeah, but Nick, but know, listen, they, they weren't able to the get this advice so formally before. Down. So they were only trying to figure it out between so the why, So why, why, why slow it down more? It's not slowing it down. You have another body that's now saying, hey, actually, I saw this. Oh, cool. That's the call. Moving on. I think yeah, just, just 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 like when we're talking right now, right? Uh, when Chris is another voice that get that comes in and, and talks about this topic, now the topic is longer, right? So you have somebody else coming in talking no. about what they think it was, but Chris adding has, more time. You can't but say Chris it has five time. screens. Chris has five screens that he can look and zoom in and everything that the guys on the field can't do. So it actually will speed up. Actually, you missed this. The guy's knee was down. Here's a picture. Moving on. Like, <laughs> I mean, if they can if they can make it I move agree. smoothly, I like it, but I just don't see logistically how that's possible so so here you guys have made this tough for me to pick somebody because it's kind you guys like both kind of persuaded me towards your side more because i really wasn't even thinking about nick's side i was about the um the, the time of the game and what it would really bring into it but i just think my opinion is i think it's good i i think it'll be good for the game in the end to get the call right but I'm gonna have to go with Nick here because he kind of, he brought up something I really wasn't even thinking about when it came Let's down. Go. to this. I didn't, I didn't see any speed articles it's, about that. It's not that. gonna slow down. It's not gonna slow down again. It's actually gonna speed it up. Well, we'll see. You'll see the numbers. We'll see what happens. But but we'll see what happens. But I just thought it was a good point that I wasn't even it wasn't even coming to my mind when I was researching this during the week. So, Nick, so I don't know what, what you want to do here now that it's one win and no wins, no wins this week. So you're on the floor or you're on the couch. Uh, I'm seated on the couch. All right. <laughs> I am going to – let's see. For my question here, I'm going to go with what National League team has the best chance to dethrone the Dodgers this year? And Chris and Matt, I'm going to put you both on the couch – Chris, you can go ahead and have a seat on the couch whenever you're ready. Time starts now. All right. So, like, it's so early 
to tell. Like, because I really don't think anybody's going to dethrone the Dodgers and NL. I think they're they're probably just going to run through it in the end. But I think the team that has I, there's two teams that honestly come to mind that have a chance that could match up with them in the playoffs when it comes down to it. And and one of them, and they both made some really good moves in the offseason, but the first one I'm going to talk about a little bit is the Mets. The Mets have the pitching to go up against. The Grom is one of his, I don't even know, he's on a phenomenal tear right now. He's only given up like one run the whole season. He's got like a 0-2-5 ERA. But I I think that they, and, and they brought in the, um, Lindor from the, Indians, I think that they just they they boosted their team a little bit in the offseason where that they maybe they could compete a little bit from a talent standpoint. And the other team I'm gonna talk about a little bit is the Padres. Right. The Padres the the Padres the Padres have a good chance because they have they have the star power. They have Machado, Tatis, they have you Darvish, they have Blake Snell, Paddock, they have all these weapons. And I think when it comes down to a seven-game series that the Honestly, the Padres will match up the best against the Dodgers because punch for punch because you have to be pretty deep to beat the Dodgers in the playoffs. Yep. All right. Well, good points. Went a little over there. So, Matt, I'll give you an extra 15. Um, so, just any other teams maybe Chris didn't mention, maybe some he did mention um, out of the National League that you think mm-hmm. has a real shot, maybe a sleeper team? A uh, sleeper team for me uh, is the San Francisco Giants. Um, You know, they have the third uh, best uh, starting rotation ERA in the league and two is the Dodgers and one is the Padres, you know, you know, and we're talking about the Dodgers and Chris mentioned the Padres, but number three, I mean, uh, 2.94 ERA from your starting pitchers. I mean, that's fantastic. Um, And another point I want to bring up is Kurt Caselli uh, is the fifth catcher in the modern era with at least five straight shutouts in his starts. Okay. And he's the first to ever do it with five different starting pitchers for the Giants. And I think that when you, when, you, when you watch a lot of baseball, you know that if there's a good connection between your pitcher and your catcher, I mean, the catcher is essentially calling the game. At the end of the day, the pitcher is going to make the choice he wants to make. But if you've got a catcher understanding who's at bat, what the pitcher likes, what he doesn't like, and how the game should flow, how the pitches should flow, it can make or break a game. And at the end of the day, they're a little lower, little lower on overall batting. Okay, they're on, on the bottom half of the league in that regard. However, my opinion is that bats can get hot at any time. The pitching needs to be consistent for the whole year. Okay, and right. if they keep right. this pitching all, up, all we got they for can you. Really, yeah, if they keep this pitching yep. up, they can really make some do some damage. Good points, good points, Chris. Quick, quick uh, rebuttal. Just you mentioned pitching, and you guys both have mentioned pitching as being very important. Anything else? Okay, so maybe, I'll, maybe uh, batting. Uh, how important is that? So my, to- yeah, my my thought. Is, well, the thing is, every year we see bad teams start off hot, and I think that's for the job. I'm not saying they're a bad team, but I just don't think that they're that good. You know what I mean? Because they're batting 214 on the season, which is 26 in the league, and it's like, and like I mentioned before, the the Mets are 10th in the league. They're batting 241 as a team which is significantly higher. That's that's 30 points higher. And then the um, the Padres are batting 232 as a team, which isn't much higher, but it's still higher than the the Giants. It's going to be pretty – it would be pretty tough to keep up with a team like the um, Dodgers that are number eight in the league right now at 245 if you're only batting 214 on the season. Like, and I understand that the pitching comes down to it, which is why I brought up the Padres. Who, the pitching staff is is loaded with the Padres. And like you said, they have the they have the best ERA in the league right now. If you want to talk about pitching, they have a two six zero ERA. Right. That's the good points. Better than the Dodgers. Better, and that's better than the Giants. So I don't know 
what more you need Matt, for a team uh, that final, the final points. You know, my final points are still that at the at the end of the day, you know, this uh, this game is run on strikeouts right now, um, and you're hitting well. Like I said, you can get hot at any time uh, in this league, and I think that the Giants have uh, the fountain of youth. They've got some veterans out there that are doing great stuff. Buster Posey has a point nine eight nine on base plus slugging. Padres percentage. are leading the league in in strikeouts as a team as pitching. And so and whoa, and Evan Longoria, who I love, and he's been in the game for a while. As a, a, a 0.973 on base, you know, plus right. slugging. Um, and I, uh, I just think I just think that we when got. you got veterans on the team and you got great pitching, third in the in, in the league, and they're a sleeper and they're third in the league. You got to watch out for them. I mean, they got guys the, that are playing Giants, really, really well. The Giants well. as a staff, the Giants as a staff have 187 strikeouts. The Padres have 259. Okay. All right. I, I so, still like so what I still like what, I, I still good, like good, what good Alex points. Wood is doing. I like what Kevin Gossman's doing. They, they've got a good pitching staff, is all I'll say. Great pitching staff. So. I mean, um, good points. You guys both brought out the importance of pitching. Um, you know, both Padres and um, the uh, Giants have good pitching. Uh, and then you know, it's, it's going to depend a little bit on who actually offensively is a little bit better. But I do think that the, the point that I'll I'll um, focus on is just the importance of having a very good catcher, Kirk Caselli, um, with the uh, five straight um, shutouts. Pretty impressive. So I'm going to have to go with that based off that stat with Matt. Very close argument, though. I think both those teams have a real shot. What does that have to do with it? It has everything to do with with, with the pitcher. The the catcher calls the game. Yeah. Yeah. I'm about to, you know, who's the fucking Padre? Like, what? Like, I don't think the. If you think that the um, Giants have a chance to win, I know we could put money on that right now. I'll we bet you put money on all I'm saying is they're pitching shutouts. The Giants do not. All I'm saying you can bet a thousand dollars that the Giants will not win the National League if you want. Outs, you can you can have shut, that, Chris. They have three shutouts in five games. I mean, come on, you got to score runs to win. It's April. All right. It's April. We're talking in April. You guys, We're talking in April. I know. And you got, and I'm telling you that just don't get your hopes up with the Giants and your buddy's right. going along with we, you. So we, we got, we got to move on wow. here though. So, um, Matt, wow. you, you got to pick That's a question again. The fans, the close. fans are going to be talking. Right. Um, you know, um, I'd like to actually, I'm going to do Chris's uh, vibe here a little bit. Um, well, with my win here, and I'm going to say, um, what team do you think should trade up in the draft, and why? Nick, Chris, have a seat on the couch. And uh, Nick, you can have a seat on the couch because uh, Chris just went first the last time. Shake it up a bit. And Nick, your minute starts now. Guys are trying to rob me all day. Yeah, you know, I think I have to go with the Baltimore Ravens sitting at uh, 30, 31. Uh, the guy Bucky Brooks had a really dumb, dumb take today uh, a couple of days ago saying that they should draft fields and that should ha- graduate from – uh, Lamar Jackson because he can't pass, <laughs> but the guy's never had a number one receiver. Don't give me, um, don't give me Brown. He's good, but he's not a number one receiver. He's a deep threat. So you can trade up. You can get that guy Waddle. Uh, you can get, um, you know, it's a very deep wide receiver draft. I get it, but if you can move up and get your guy, every team has a guy at, the, at every position, and they have to get, they have to be thinking receiver. Um, and if they can trade up and get one of the top top five receivers in the draft, that they can assure it. Uh, I think they should because I think that there's going to be a run on receivers in the first round. It is deep, but people have certain guys that they really like. And I think that that's what they're really missing. They have very good defense, very good offensive line. They have good running backs. 
They need another right, weapon, uh, whether it's that or a tight end. All right, uh, Nick, you know, bring up the importance of uh, them, them needing, uh, you know, wide receiver. And, you know, it's actually something I didn't even think about uh, based on, you know, Lamar Jackson's MVP season. You know, yeah, they're, just... they're, they're, they're an offensive weapon away from Super Bowl contender, I think. So, Chris, do you think that there's um, yeah. any, any other team that uh, has a more pressing a need to, uh, to trade up in the draft? Uh, your minute starts now. Because the, Raven, the Ravens are already pretty established as a team. They, they're in the, they've been in the playoffs pretty much every year for a while. Um, but going off of that, i got two teams in mind. And one's probably a little more obvious coming from me, which is the Pats, which obviously they should trade up and get a quarterback which would be awesome because they made all those moves in the offseason. If they could get up and get like a like a um, Justin Fields or a, or a Trey Lance or something like that, that would be great for them. But the other team I'm going to talk about that should trade up for a quarterback too is the Washington football team. They went 79 last year, won their division with Alex Smith, who retired. <laughs> get the fuck out of here. Um, <laughs> they added weapons. They, they added um, – William Jackson to put with Kendall Fuller in the secondary, and they added um, receiver Curtis Samuel. And but they, but I understand they have Fitzpatrick this year, but they need to focus on the future now. Like mm-hmm. they have talent all over the field, great defense. Like obviously Fitzpatrick will be there this year, but I just they have think a great defense. They got a great they, defense. Yeah, they do have a great defense. They they were phenomenal. They were in the playoffs last year, and imagine if they get a start, they could trade up into the top 10 and get one of those guys I was just talking about, like a Fields or a Trey Lance or somebody like that. They're looking at, they're looking at winning 10, 11 games because they won who, seven last year with like three different quarterbacks. Who's the guy? Who's the guy who came in in the playoffs? They were calling the true Washington football team. He had that diving uh, touchdown. Heineke. Heineke. <laughs> Heineke. Heineke is the quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's, it's great. You guys brought up two teams that didn't come to the forefront of my mind in this conversation. You know, first Nick with, with the Ravens that I didn't even consider because I was kind of the, the, the shadow of, of Lamar Jackson so so big. And Chris with, with the Washington football team, again, um, reminding me of who they picked up and moves they made and their needs. And shout out, you know, to, to Alex Smith. Um, Nick, any rebuttal here um, on any other team or just kind of uh, pushing your point a little bit more on the Ravens, which was a great point to begin with. But any other teams or any other needs that you think teams need in your last 30 seconds here? Well, real quick, uh, just to point out on the Ravens, they do have the 27th and the 31st pick. So they have ammunition to possibly move up. So they are really a team poised to go out and get Jalen Waddell, go out and get your guy, Bateman, get one of the top five receivers, secure your guy, and give give Lamar a weapon, a true number one receiver. He has not had that. So uh, other than that, I would say that, you know, um, teams trading up that's really my team i mean you can make an argument of course for the pats i think they should secure a quarterback all right um, i think and i think that the broncos sitting at nine if their guys there at seven give up a little bit later in the draft move up get your guy get a quarterback for the broncos all right. as well thanks for those final points there nick um and chris you know you were uh you touched a little bit on the pats if you want to um touch a little bit more on them or if you have any other pats, uh, teams you want to go into the, the Pats definitely should trade up in the draft this year and um, try to get a quarterback. They're pretty much – because Cam went through eight touchdowns last year. I know there was it, – it's tough with the weapons that he had to throw for, like, numbers and stuff like that, but he had an awful year. He was throwing picks on screen passes. If the Pats could maybe move – because they, the, they got some trade bait in the secondary. They could 
maybe either move they could probably move off of Stefan Gilmore to to a team or maybe even JC Jackson if it came down to it and trade that 15th pick and even their second round pick and they have two they have three fourth round picks I think I think it's a no brainer right, for them to get a quarterback both of you guys, I mean, phenomenal uh, points. And like I said, two teams that I wasn't really heavily considering. Um, I agree, um, Chris, with your point about the Pats, which I think is a little bit more of a, uh, a hotter take right now that's on the forefront of everyone's minds. And the I, I didn't really consider uh, the Washington football team just because they do have Fitzmagic. Um, but I, I, do, I do see your points about the future. I don't think Heineke is a future sort of franchise quarterback. Um, but don't don't kill me, Chris. My guts tell me I got to go with Nick on this one because I really was not considering the Ravens before he had this conversation. Ravens, but but I wasn't I was I wasn't considering the, the, the Ravens. I'm sorry, I, I was not considering. Them. I, I wasn't Dude, considering the Ravens. They shouldn't get now, a now, Chris. They shouldn't Chris, Chris, cool. Chris cool. now that's you that's know cool. how I feel for weeks. I didn't get that's a win cool. for weeks. Um, that's cool. Nah, nah. All right, well, we got to move on here. Uh, for my choice, wow. I'm actually going to be on the couch. Um, Always wow. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring uh, Chris to the couch as well. Chris, you're going to be on the couch first. The question is, who is the best defensive player in the NBA and why? Go ahead. Who's the best? All, All right, right, Chris, I'm the, and uh, your minute starts now. All right, so it's, it's Ben Simmons at this point in time. Um. In the era, it's it's a era positionless basketball. You know, like it's you could the, and Ben Simmons gives the Sixers the ability to switch on everything because he could guard all five positions. And like I said, in the in the era of positionless basketball, that's huge. He could. He's um Simmons is tied for the league lead in deflections at three point nine per game. He's loose balls recovered one point four. His net rating is. 14, which is better than Gobert's 11.3. So, who is always talked about who won defense? Didn't he win defensive player of the year last year, Gobert? That's and that's you know what I mean. So, that's pretty big to be far over him. They gave it, they gave it to Giannis, but it should have been Gobert, I think. It should have been so Gobert won the year before that or something, but but still, but Ben Simmons can literally guard all five positions. So, I don't know what more you want out of a player. So, you're and for Doc Rivers, it really gives them flexibility to switch right. on every play, which is huge. Thanks, Chris. Great points about Ben Simmons. Um, definitely up there in the ratings. But um, for me, uh, more of a dark horse uh, pick based on what um, people are going with. Um, Nick, any do you agree with uh, Ben Simmons or do you have another player that is, is catching your eye for, um, in your opinion, the best defensive player um, in the league right now? you got a minute. Yeah, um, I think I have to go with another dark horse candidate, Marcus Smart of the Boston Celtics. Um, one of the he's one of the do it all things type of players. You can pretty much guard most. You know, well, I'd say you can guard the one, two, and three uh, pretty well with the, with the best of anybody. And uh, he's tied for third in the NBA in steals per seventy five possessions over the course of his five year career. Um, so he's t- he's typically tasked with defending the the biggest per- perimeter threat on every team. And he's doing very well. I mean, right now they are third in overall defensive rating overall, the Boston Celtics. And a lot of that has to do with uh, Marcus Smart. So I think he's my dark horse candidate and I'll leave it with that. Yeah, I like that. Another dark horse, um, you know, a lot of the guys that are uh, headlining 
uh, in the top five for the award, per se, because um, we're not yes. necessarily talking about the award, but we're talking about our opinion here. Uh, you guys both picked some dark horses there and gave great reasons as to what they give to their team and why um, defensively. So, so, Chris, do you have a 30-second rebuttal on so continuing? My 30-second rebuttal here, um, obviously, right now, the defensive player of the year odds are Rudy Gobert, Ben Simmons, Miles Turner, who's also a phenomenal choice. Who I was going to bring up. Giannis, uh, Joel Embiid, which are all phenomenal. I don't see Marcus Smart's name on here. We're talking about best defensive player in the NBA, which is a question. And my choice here is number two in defensive player of the year, which – so that's all, that's all I'm going to go with. Nick can have it from there. Let's see. He's yeah, Nick, um, I, want, I wanted to bring up uh, just real quick, just, you know, a little bit of a dark horse that I was looking at. You know, you got Miles Turner – um, he's averaging 3.5 blocks per game, playing really good basketball, and he kind of gets swept under the rug just a little bit because it ain't the bubble, and uh, it's the it's the pace. He's playing. He's playing great. So, that's why I had to talk. That's why I brought him up. Yeah, a little bit too. Uh, drop his I name down there. Stats. A great bubble play last year, of course. Um, all bubble team, I think, starting five. But uh, so, so Nick, uh, do you have a 30 second rebuttal to continue a very, you know. Um, for lack of a better uh, term, smart take on Marcus Smart and what he brings to that perimeter defense, which is a huge part of offenses in the NBA right now. Do you want to continue that, or do you have any other comments on anybody else? Yeah, I really like him. You know, he's, he's very good. Uh, he's right around – he's right outside the top ten in, in, in steals. Um, but uh, I will, um, you know, pivot a little bit based on the rankings. I will give credit where credit's due to Miles Turner as well. Uh, and then you can't go wrong with Rudy Gobert. He's an absolute monster in the paint and then shuts down any sort of post presence in the paint whenever he's, um, you know, he's defending it uh, down there, but you know, I'm still going to stick with Marcus smart. Uh, I think Chris has got me a little bit of an edge here with, with Simmons. Uh, he's a player that, you know, can, in, in terms of his body size, he can defend anybody. pretty much anybody on the yeah, court. Yeah. <laughs> um, so um I'll give a quick quick shout out to your boy Patrick Beverly as well. <laughs> okay, you know I'm not you know a huge fan of Patrick defense. Beverly. Um, can, can I say something that's not? I don't, I don't want to like it's. Not, this has nothing to do with my topic, but Nerlens Noel has been playing phenomenal defense. Yeah, I mean, he, he has been playing well. Like Five blocks per game. He has, and, he, and you he, know he's been he's been getting like four blocks. Like ever since he's been starting, he's getting like three four blocks a game. It's pretty crazy. I, I love uh, that we're talking about defense um, because I think in today's blockbuster is sort of a box office NBA. we got a lot of great offensive players and we talk a lot about offensive efficiency on this podcast. So I think it's cool. We went down this road of defense because a lot of players um, don't get their due and recognition for uh, having predominantly defensive uh, skill sets to their game because it's so heavily focused on offense, but um, great points, guys, uh, dark horses uh, from dark horse from Nick. Um, uh, real quick, th- real quick though, uh, I think uh, Quinn Capella is a- is is averaging great. like five blocks a game. The guy's yeah. really just playing he's doing well, really well. As well. I think he's Clint like Capella, Capella is seven in the odds for defensive player of the year. Yeah, yeah, you know what? I actually think, if I'm not mistaken, he's hey, your boy second Dort's in on blocks. Here, Nick. Uh, Dort. Dort. He's, like, he's like twelve. Quinn Capella, <laughs> everybody, ranking. is second in defensive Dream rebounds, nine point eight a game. Gobert's averaging 10.2, but uh, really impressive stuff. And Clint Capella is an old rocket who I love. So um, Rudy, Rudy Gobert is the odds-on favorite, though. Yeah. 
Um, but we got to move on here. And I, I do, uh, I really loved Chris's uh, stat there about the deflections because uh, Nick can, Nick can appreciate that. I know because uh, active always with the active hands. That's a huge part of uh, Nick's love for players is being active on D. So I'm going to have to go with Chris on this one. Yeah. I'm going to have to go with Chris on this one. Great, great comments on Ben Simmons and that, that uh, deflection comment. I know Nick can appreciate, so got to be active. Yep. It's good. Good one. All right, Chris. Appreciate it. All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with a little bit of a, um, a question that you guys probably wouldn't think I would go with here. And I'm going to go with. Putting yourself on the couch. It's, it's tough. It's tough here. Yeah. Always I'm going to put, put myself on the couch here and I'm going to go with who are your favorite non quarterback prospects heading into the draft. And I'm going to go against Matt here and I'm going to put myself on the couch first. All right. Nick, so let Nick, Chris wait. know. Yep. All right, Chris, you can go ahead and have a seat on the couch. All right, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with going to Nick's heart here a little bit. I'm gonna go. With, I'm gonna go with Kyle Pitts. Six, he's six six with the hops of a receiver. Going to Nick's heart. I do love and Kyle Pitts. I'm, I'm gonna go to some. He's 80th percentile for height, 98th percentile for wingspan, 93rd percentile for hand size, 98th percentile for 40 yard dash. 95th percentile for his 20 yard split, 97th percentile for the for his broad jump. So to put that in a little bit of terms here, uh, they easily surpass Gronk, Travis Kelsey, Tony Gonzalez, who are the three guys you think of in tight ends uh, in NFL history, who are the top three. So basically, if he, his athletic ability is better than any of those guys, it it's ridiculous he's fast he could jump high he's basically a receiver playing in the tight end position at 6'6 six, six, which is kind of what not to bring up bad memories but it's Aaron not, I'm not saying Aaron Hernandez was this he wasn't as big but he was essentially a wide receiver playing tight end when he got to the NFL and he I know he went to jail and all that but he was phenomenal when he played and just seeing like another a tight end that's fast and can run that fast and he's the size of Gronkowski. Yep, it's that, pretty, pretty it scary. I don't, I don't know how you're, I don't know how you're going to stop that in the league. I, I think that that's definitely my favorite non-QB prospect. All right, I do love Kyle Pitts. I think he is the best overall player in the draft. I think he's very quickly going to be a top five tight end in the league, and he could actually end up in the next couple of years. Bold prediction being, you know, in the conversation for the best in the league with with Kelsey. He is an absolute monster, uh, and I think he's going to go off. And can you imagine? I think he might go to the to the uh, don't go there Falcons bombs away. No bombs away Falcons. <laughs> oh. They'd have Julio Ridley, Matt Ryan, man. Bombs away, Matty Ice he's going to the 49ers. Yeah, shout anyway, out to Mike Madden. That, that, Matty that'd Ice. Be, that'd be crazy too. But they got their guy Kittle. I like him as well. But Matt, anybody else? Uh, I think that's an obvious choice. We did talk in. Uh, quite a bit uh, a couple episodes ago about Kyle Pitts being, you know, a, a um, someone we're not talking about uh, that's not non-QB. So, Matt, anybody else you can think of? Absolutely. Um, you know, I love Kyle Pitts, but I got to tell you, my favorite position in football that I, I, I wish would, you know, move up higher in uh, regular sort of uh, drafts, and I think it will in the future, is the wide receiver position. And I think Jamar Chase is your guy you got to look out for. I mean, this guy, you know, had 22 
uh, forced missed tackles and a first down rate of 77.4%, okay, last year when he was in college. Um, I mean, he, hit, he hits on all three levels. I think he's going to come out of the gates running wherever he goes. Um, he had 14 TDs, over 21 yards last year. I mean, it, it's just – he's phenomenal. I think he can catch, uh, one, you know, 50-50 uh, balls really well. He's got great speed. Um, I think he's just going to be a great NFL player. And I just love when I see wide receivers who are so NFL ready. Um, he's, my, he's my guy to look out for. Jamar Chase might be the first wide right, receiver off the board. Yeah, he might be the first wide receiver off the board. All right, I think he will be. I think he will be. Um, but I actually do my favorite say player. <laughs> I, I will. I actually prefer. This is a minority, it seems now, but I think Devontae Smith is, is the best. Uh, so Listen, I'll I, ask so this do question. I. I think he's great too. But yeah, but I, I Heisman Trophy winner, fantastic. I agree. All right, you both went offense. Uh, you can follow up and t- say a little bit more if you want about your first picks. But any defensive candidates that, that you really like as well? Chris? Um, yeah, my bad. Um, obviously, um, Parsons is phenomenal linebacker. Yeah. Um, so that that's obvious. That's but that's it's like it's really obvious to go with that. But I don't know who else we could go with. We're talking about the wasn't the question favorite? Yeah, um, yeah, your favorite. It's definitely yeah. the favorite. He's definitely my favorite defensive player in the draft. And I was hoping that the Patriots, the Patriots stay at fifteen if he's there, which I don't think he will be. That would be yeah, phenomenal for them. I I just think it's he's just incredible. But I just love going to a favorite player, Kyle Pitts. They're they're compared. They're saying like all his athletic stats are higher than Gronk's and Travis Kelsey and all these other. It's it's gonna be, if he gets paired with the right um, quarterback, which is gonna be tough going pretty high in the draft. He's gonna be special, especially if he gets to a team yeah. that has a pretty good quarterback already. Matt, final uh, points here. I mean, shout out to Devontae Smith. You know, like Chris says, I, I, I'm a fan of greatness and awards, and this guy won the Heisman. And I love when people are doubted because of their size and they just dominate. So uh, he's definitely, if I had to pick a second player, Demonte Smith, I, I think is going to surprise a lot of people. Um, but, you know, uh, I think that cornerbacks uh, are, you know, are another position I really like. Uh, and you, you mentioned defensively. This guy, Caleb Farley from Virginia Tech, uh, apparently is going to be uh, the first back, the first, you know, the first um, <clears throat> defense back cornerback uh, out of the draft. Um, I don't know too much about his play, but I've seen his numbers and I've seen, you know, where Mel Kuyper ranks him and stuff. He looks like he's going to be good. But bottom line, Jamar Chase and and Devontae Smith are two guys that are are my favorite. And it's easy to pick offense, but those are my guys. All right. Good points. Good points. Um, I think they're both going to be dynamic receivers in the league. Speaking of DBs, you got to talk about Patrick Certain, too. He's going to be phenomenal in the NFL. Yeah, he looks pretty good. He looks pretty good as well. Although I do like Newsom is my favorite cornerback. For, oh, Newsom or Horn? I think I would go Horn, Newsom, and then and then him. Um, but it's it's a pretty good cornerback draft. Well, yeah, Horn point. is. Yeah, Horn is going to be pretty good too. Yeah, good points. Good points. I am going to have to go with Chris on Kyle Pitts. I mean, the guy. I'll give him my pro comparison. I would say like a Darren Waller, a guy that can really line up anywhere on the field and be a problem for defenses. And Darren Waller is a top three. You know, tight end. You can only name two other guys that are better than him. Um, he's going to be really good, and I just think he's going to be a matchup nightmare at six six with the wingspan he's got, and with uh, 
you know, Speedy's got, uh, he's going to be all in. all in. I'm all in. I'm all in. And I'll tell you what, um, you know, if the Jets somehow traded the second overall pick, I'd be, I'd be, you know, he's just, he's going to be so good. He's going to be the best player in the draft, I think. But, but listen, when I, listen, when I tell you, I, I agree with you, Nick, that, that this guy, Dante <laughs> Smith, is going to be good. Yeah, no, like, be, that, would a, that would be a Jets move. Jets would be, with the with the number two pick in the NFL draft, twenty twenty one. The Jets Pitts. So, Chris, you're on the you're on you're on the couch. Uh, yeah, you're and the just, couch, just you're choosing. Just for our um, listeners here, uh, Nick's got two wins. Chris has two. I've got one for the strategy for the strategists here. Um, so, Chris, you're up, and we got one question left. Okay, so obviously, Nick and Matt are on the couch here, and. And if Matt wins, there's a chance for it to go to overtime. And our overtime question will be, is Steph Curry the NBA MVP? And obviously, everybody's talking about that right now. So it would be wrong not to talk about that again. But, um, so the, the question is, what is the best rivalry in sports of all time? And I'm a little upset because I wanted to talk about this one. But I'll, I'll, maybe I'll be able to get some of mine in at the end. But um, obviously, you guys are on the couch first. So um, I'm going to go tough. I don't know who I want to put on first because I don't – on this show, when it's competitive, I don't like either one of you. So <laughs> – but I will give um, – I'll, I'll give Matt the floor here first since he's only got one win in the season. So I'll give him a chance to maybe send this into overtime. All right. Uh Definitely, um, I got to pick the New York Yankees and the Boston Red Sox. I mean, this rivalry goes back, you know, to 1920 when the Red Sox sold Babe Ruth, the best, you know, known pitcher at the time to the Yankees. And then Ruth went on to become the great Bambino. And from there, you know, the Yankees obviously won and the Red Sox went on this 86-year drought. And then, of course, unfortunately, um, you know, my father shedding tears in 2004 uh, in that horrible collapse when they were up three games to none. But I think that when you think of rivalries in sports, when you even think of colors, red versus blue, uh, the history of the teams, I just think that when you think of rivalries, when new rivalries are starting to become something, when they're starting to, um, you know, be birthed, you say, you know, they could end up being like the Red Sox and the Yankees. The Red Sox and the Yankees are that quintessential rivalry. And it also, from that, birthed rivalries in Boston and New York overall. So I think that's the quintessential one. It's it's the chalk pick. But I grew up knowing that when you think yeah, of rivalries, you think no, of Red Sox yeah. and Yankees. Yeah, that is one of the, the biggest rivalries of all time. And maybe if I could just go on, on a little bit. you got to remember Aaron Boone's walk-off in 03, sending the oh, Yankees yeah. to the World Series. You could hear the call. Boone hits it to the left. There the it Yankees is. are going to the World Series. But you, and didn't he? Wasn't he? A, it's, was he a pinch hitter? No, he was the third. He was starting third base that year. Okay, I just didn't know if he came in. Because then he got hurt. Because then he got hurt, and that's why they got a rod because he got hurt in the offseason. He was playing like pickup basketball or something in his yard and got hurt. <laughs> but um, if you but if you remember, it's 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 pretty. It's the only rivalry to ever feature a, a seventeen a seventy two year old coach getting tossed in the dirt by one of the premier pitchers in in the league. <laughs> One of the premier players in the league, Pedro Martinez, tossed him. Who's your daddy? Right, right to the dirt. Yeah, the who's your daddy? And they're fighting. And the, the A-Rod Veritek fight 
all sorts of stuff. Matt hit, Matt went to the heart there. But um, so Nick Ortiz got, added got, to that. Ortiz, they, they had so many the 0304 rivalry was ridiculous. But um, so Nick, if you have if you want to go into Yankees Red Sox or if you have maybe a different rivalry you want to talk about in your minute here, I'm gonna let you start now. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we have to talk about the uh, the uh, the Celtics Lakers. I mean, as far as the uh, rivalries go, that's got to be up there. I know, you know, Matt went chalk with Yankees Red Sox, and that's our pastime. But you look at the uh, L- uh, uh, L.A. Lakers versus the Boston Celtics. All of the fantastic players—they've met twelve times in the NBA Finals, right? So, uh, you know. That's it's you know when you look at the rivalries between Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, or, or Bill Russell versus Wilt, um, and uh, and Jerry Rice. I mean, all of these guys. There's been so many different it, 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 over the course of two centuries now. You know, so many different decades that they've been relevant, uh, and and they're two great organizations, and they've they've had some really really great games, great series over the course of, uh, you know, the years uh, outside of the one sweep in 1959 from the Celtics, it was like, you know, 1962, 4-3, 1966, 4-3, 1969, 4-3, 1984, 4-3, and it just goes on and on all the way up to the We saw a lot of that too recently with the, um, not recently, but it was t- 10 years ago, 13 years ago now, but they, they won one and then, against the Lakers and the, the Lakers got them two years later. But yep. um I yeah. have some there's some more like dark horse rivalry. We could talk about um Arnold Palmer and Jack Nicholas since we don't really talk about that very much. <laughs> Different sports. Yeah. Uh Jim Sport. Frazier and Muhammad Ali. Oh yeah. You know what I'm saying? We don't we don't but because I know we're not gonna touch on those so I wanted to bring them up. But there's Shout there's out. some I don't know if you guys want to talk about some other rivalries in other sports, maybe talk about get into the history of the Green Bay Packers and the Chicago Bears, Ohio State, Michigan, Duke versus North Carolina. There's a lot of Pat Jets, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Yeah, you, <laughs> you know, know really... my 30-second rebuttal, you know, definitely definitely shout-outs to, to North Carolina and Duke. You know, I, I remember being a young kid and not really knowing a lot about uh, sports when I was learning more about it, and that was the second sort of rivalry that, that hit me hard. You know, there was the Yankees and the Red Sox, and then it was – North Carolina and Duke, that was just, those are the teams you knew about. Um, and I don't have uh, too many stats to, to, to back that up, but it was definitely something that was part of my youth. Um, but I'm just going to still um, go with my chalk on this one. And I think when you think of rivalries, even if you don't know baseball, if you don't know sports, you know Red Sox and Yankees. I think more so than even like Duke and North Carolina or those golf players that you mentioned, Chris. I just think that I, Yankees I, and Red think... Sox created what a rivalry is. I, I understand that, but I just think we, it, we know – Living in growing up where we grow up, obviously that's the choice because we're in that area. You know what I mean? So obviously outside that's what of it, though, introduced too. to. I think outside. No, I understand. I, I know outside of it too, but I'm just saying more of you. That's what we see. Like if we lived in North Carolina, you would see more of the Duke and UNC rivalry. More that's true. like you know what I mean. Like it, we're just going off what we see. The Lakers Celtics was like Nick talked about is is was big here. Uh, obviously, yeah, the Duke UNC maybe, is maybe pretty. Duke, maybe UConn and Duke, UConn and Duke met in the um, championship, and UConn well, won. The, so we go there yeah, too. But uh, I'll get my I'll get my thirty. So, 
Yeah, Nick, so Nick do you want to bring up a, a I, fact I about Duke and North it. Carolina? You're going to touch on I'm that? The, I'm the moderator here. I'm, I'm the moderator here, man. Relax. All right, so Nick, <laughs> if you want to get into your 30-second rebuttal here, I'm going to give you your platform now since Matt wanted to interrupt me while I was trying to get into that. So, Nick, you can start now. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a great, good point bringing up Duke and UNC. Big college basketball fan and and, and uh, seeing so many good players come through those both, both those organizations, uh, both those schools. Great, you know, great teams. So many notable games over the years. They play every year, and they're, uh, you know, they're both in North Carolina. So I'm not from North Carolina, but you can imagine. I mean, you were one or the other growing up, probably, and it's just like it, it, it's it's pretty cool that they're in interstate rivalry like that. So um, I, I do like that one a lot. I do have to stick with, I mean, the 12 champ, uh, uh, times meeting in the finals with the Celtics and Lakers. I mean, that's insane. Yeah, that it's is insane. ridiculous. That, so, that is and ridiculous I know the Celtics guy. won most of them, I, I think. Uh, but um, overall, it, it's, it's ridiculous. So I, I still have to go with those guys. A lot of good rivalries out there. The, the Bears and the Packers, of course. Pats and Jets, not recently, but it's always uh, the fans get together and, and, and uh, they hate each other. That's so that's more, a good, good one as well. Of, but I will say I also that's more the of um, in-house argument, Nick. Nick, yeah, it's it. the Eagles, the, the Eagles, I, the Giants. We can't forget about them. I have to throw them good, in there. I feel I feel one. bad that's if right. I didn't. And the Pats and the Jets. That's not going to count towards your. And, no, it's not. Here. But but real quick, Chris, you brought up Duke and North Carolina. I just want to say a little fun fact for the viewers or the listeners. Every Final Four from 1988 to 2001, except one, included Duke or UNC. That's ridiculous. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah, it, 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 it is ridiculous. <laughs> That's insane. But the point, Nick, brought, the Lakers-Celtics, that point, fantastic. How many, how many so, finals? So, so, many, so many good players. I know the Yankees and, Celt- or the Yankees and uh, Red Sox had great players, too, over the years. But, man, so many just Hall of Famers on those teams. It's crazy just tough because that I mean that was a rivalry more back in the in the day too like Lakers yeah, Celtics they haven't been there since the Celtics 2007, haven't been in 2010 so right they were the there Cel- the Celtics yeah the Celtics and that was like a little stretch but the Lakers were more relevant more recently and the Celtics weren't good so it was t- it's tough it's tough because Yankees Red Sox touches the heart Celtics Lakers it is what it is with them, but um, those twelve finals appearances against each other. But um, I guess it hurts me to do it, but I gotta go with Nick. It hurt. It hurts me to have you do it too, because at the end of the day, Chris, you uh, brought up the point about it being in our area, but the 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 appearances in the finals together. I mean, oh, I oh my god. It, Oh, it hurts it's just, I just had to give Nick after Nick made us wait for like six hours. <laughs> yeah, great, great point. T- there, I didn't want to give him the win, but I mean, for our listeners, come on, we all know Yankees, Red Sox. That's the heart of any New Englander. Come that on, that is that is the that is the best rivalry. But that was the one. That's the chalk one. That's the one I was thinking about. That's the that's the good side. The, you know, the light, the dark, the and villain, the hero. Recently too. They played, and that's they the thing. played in the ALDS a few years ago. Just and that's, when they I, mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, just just for Johnson and Bird uh, dueling in the 80s. 
man, that would have been nice to see. <laughs> but here's the thing about the Yankees, too. What I love about the Yankees and Red Sox, the Red Sox know they're the villain, and they love it, and they embody it. Like, they don't look at the Yankees necessarily as the villain. Like, they know the Yankees are clean-cut, good guys. They like being the grungier. The Yankees are clean-cut. The Red Sox have they beards do. and tattoos. It's just like, a, it's yeah. great. It's like Pirates versus the, the Savior. It's great. I love it. It is great. It's so, great. Like they they so fit the, get, the characters. It just it just sucks because I had to give Nick the win there. You know he won the episode. So Nick All now right. has five wins. Yeah, and congrats, I have three Nick. Wins. Just, Matt just has one win. Gosh. Congrats, Nick. Yeah, so thank you. Thanks everyone thank for listening. And uh, so wrapping yeah, Chris, up this episode. Give a little shout out. Wrapping Chris. up here. We're gonna do the um social media shout out. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. This we're the Sports Couch Podcast, and some. Some way that I'm sure if you type that in, it'll come up somewhere. But um, yeah, you could the simple cast website we have it's sports couch pod, whatever something. Look us up, type us in on Google, it might come up, it might not because we're not famous. So, <laughs> but um, yeah, we're gonna do some shout outs, we're gonna get try to get some people on tune. We're gonna try to do some type of NFL draft. Special. I think, that's in the works. I think. I think like post draft, we'll, we'll talk about. We'll post, talk about probably, where, probably post draft. Definitely. Yeah. Post-draft. How we like where they uh, we're went. Talk about that. where teams yeah. went. Trade. We might have. Might have stuff. some special guests on. We're that's that's forthcoming. We're gonna have a guest. I'm not. I'm not gonna get into who yet, but it. Yeah. We'll have a guest. In the Stratford, in the Stratford still in contract. Still in contract negotiations. Yeah. Still. Still in negotiation with the sponsors. It's. It's gonna touch hard, but we're. So I'm gonna give a shout out to um to uh, Mike Madden again because he I know he's always listening he's liking the Facebook post commenting he's always there Christine Madden's always commenting uh, my mom Michelle Shedlock she's always commenting on this at least the parents are showing us love I know we get like <laughs> 20 30 listeners a week I, it, I yeah I gotta give a so. shout out to my my boys uh, Tommy Coles and uh, Channing Hall both of them gonna get, uh, gonna get married this year. Congratulations. Um, nice. You guys found some really great girls. And uh, thanks for listening. Uh, so those are it's, – it's crazy because those are our those are our sons in the fantasy football league, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> Nick's, Nick's kind of grandpa. I'm, I'm the father. What about me? <laughs> you're, 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 one of my, you're one of the grandkids. Man. You're one of my kids. <laughs> All right, guys. But, uh, we'll, we'll catch you it, soon. Moving off. Shout everybody out. Shout out to everybody. Thanks for listening. Hopefully you got this far. You probably didn't, but see you guys next week. Thanks a lot. See you guys next week.